Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with some girl power. Move on to Republicans continuing to break America and follow all of that up with a bit of perspective regarding Israel's two-week campaign to bomb the shit out of Gaza. Let's begin, shall we? All you have to do is say the name Taylor Swift, and everyone goes into their opinionated corners. So say what you want about her, because I'm sure you will, but at 33 years old, Taylor is a very smart woman. She posted to Insta about registering to vote back in September, and just like that, over 35,000 new registered voters for the up-and-coming 2024 election season. She just finished a tour that stands to be worth $4.1 billion in revenue to Tay-Tay. And then there's the movie of her era's tour. A Taylor Nation takeover at the weekend box office as Taylor Swift crushes the competition. Uh, Meg Ryan's new rom-com pushed its release date. <laughs> the Exorcist changed its date. Neither wants to go up against Taylor Swift. Audiences bringing that Swifty spirit inside, dancing and singing in their seats, just like Taylor did at the premiere. Now, just in case you're curious, tickets for the movie are $19.89 for adults because that's the year Taylor was born. And kids pay 1313 because that's Taylor's favorite number. And that's super cute and all, but what impresses me is the fucking brilliant blueprint that Taylor has given every production house for how to cut the Hollywood studios out of any deal. Or as the legendary director, Christopher Nolan, accurately put it. Taylor Swift is about to show the studios because that's not her concert film is not being distributed by the studios, it's being distributed by the theater owner, AMC, and it's going to make an enormous amount of money. And this is the thing, this, this is a format, this is a way of seeing things and sharing stories or sharing experiences that's incredibly valuable. And if they don't want it, somebody else will. So that's, that's just the truth of it. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's the truth of it. In a world where Hollywood studios are forcing writers and actors to go on strike just to get their fair share of the profits they are directly responsible for, Taylor Swift decided to finance her own movie, honor the WGA and SAG after demands, and paid everyone she hired a living wage. And... She said bye, Felicia, to the studios and made a deal directly with AMC for distribution. Oh, and wouldn't you know it, the film version of Taylor's tour has grossed over $227 million globally, and that's just in its opening weekend, because when delusionally greedy motherfuckers refuse to negotiate with actors over just 2% of their annual streaming revenue, it's time to show the studio executives how unnecessary their jobs actually are. And while we're on the subject of crazy people finding a purpose, there's been a new development in the election fraud case coming out of Georgia. 
Some breaking news right now. Donald Trump's former lawyer just pleaded guilty. Sidney Powell is who we're talking about. Now entering into a plea agreement in the Georgia election subversion case. This is the deal that comes just one day before her trial was due to start. And as part of this plea deal, she has agreed that she will testify in any future trials, which raises the possibility that she could testify against Trump in the future, which obviously is a huge deal. So we could see her take the stand potentially in a hearing down the line you know, featuring Donald Trump or Rudy Giuliani, where she has firsthand knowledge of their efforts to overturn the election results in Georgia. Oh, your God, folks, we got the Kraken. One of the 19 indicted with the fraud father several weeks ago has pleaded guilty to six counts of intentionally interfering with the 2020 election. As part of her initial punishment, the soon-to-be felon will serve six years probation, which isn't the same as jail time, no matter how many whining white people on Fox Not a News Channel try to say it is. Sydney will also pay $6,000 in fines and write a heartfelt letter of apology for lying about election fraud to the residents of Georgia. Now, sounds like the now debarred attorney should get six years in jail, if you ask me, not probation for the kind of shit that she said. And I want to remind everyone what this woman actually said on live television. So here is a mashup of Sidney Powell's seditious hits. What we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China in the interference with our elections here in the United States. The Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, and the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he never lost an election. It's been uh, organized and, and conducted with the help of Silicon Valley people, the, the big tech companies, the social media companies, and even the media companies. And I'm going to release the Kraken. And now Fulton County, Georgia's District Attorney Fonnie Willis is going to release the Kraken on Eric's dad when Sidney sits down to testify against the danger yam in his upcoming 2020 election fraud trial. I'm thinking Sidney's testimony is going to be as entertaining as Amber Heard's, but for totally different reasons. Honestly, watching Amber act out an encounter with a bee on the stand was comedy gold, but Powell's never met a conspiracy she didn't peddle. So I'm thinking her testimony will be mandatory popcorn, at the very least, and totally explains this alleged reaction from the traffic cone of treason. This caught Trump world by surprise. There is concern about the degree to which Powell could offer information, not just about former President Trump, but about Rudy Giuliani. We're talking about plans to overturn the 2020 election. And specifically, there was a key meeting at the White House. This was December 18th, 2020. Uh, military seizing voting machines in states Trump lost, naming Sidney Powell as a special counsel to investigate suppo supposed voter fraud and Trump invoking martial law to overturn the election. It, it, was a, it was a lengthy, wild meeting that laid bare how serious Donald Trump was about trying to stay in office once we learned of the details. But there's nobody in Trump world who is, who is pretending this is a good development.
Oh, I'm sure Scooby-Coo will find some way to spin Sydney's flip into something audibly incoherent and yet generally assumed to be a positive. Kind of like that box color blonde trash panda he's got aquanetted to his head like we don't know he's fucking bald. And moving on to the latest developments in Republicans fuck up everything news. Chaos on Capitol Hill. The Republican House dysfunction continues as the fight for a new Speaker of the House continues to sputter. Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio did not even come close to clinching the speakership. He failed rather ignominiously to win the gavel. Jim Jordan has 20 Republicans who decided to vote for someone other than him. In a few cases, they voted for a guy who isn't even in Congress anymore. It's been 18 days, and the Republicans, who have the majority in the House, cannot elect a replacement for the worst Kevin in Congress. Their white savior Steve Scalise ducked out after winning the nomination by two votes in a closed-door vote, knowing he would never get to 217 votes to actually get the gavel. Then enter the most pedophile apologist coach ever to be employed by Ohio State University and recently added subpoena Dodger to his resume because of his direct involvement in the planning of the January 6th insurrection, Mr. Jim Jordan. Perhaps shocking to no one but Trader Jordan, he couldn't pass 200 votes with upwards of 22 Republicans refusing to vote for him even after three attempts to become speaker and his threaten all the wives of all the Republicans who won't vote for me campaign. Roll tape. On Capitol Hill now, some Republicans who voted against GOP Congressman Jim Jordan to be the next speaker of the House say they're getting death threats. Iowa's Marionette Miller-Meeks. She said she's getting credible death threats and a barrage of threatening calls, but will not bend to bullies. And New York's Nick LaLota, who hasn't backed Jordan, shared a threat he received, telling him to go F himself and die. It's a voicemail reportedly left for Congressman Don Bacon's wife. Bacon voted against Jordan. Why is your husband such a pig? We're going to come follow you all over the place. You're going to be molested like you can't ever imagine. What the actual fuck, maggots? You don't get your way and you're going to kill Congress people and sexually assault their wives? Why not pillage and plunder while you're at it? I guess you're just leaning into that deplorable label you threw a tantrum over seven years ago when a woman said it first. And in what can only be described as absolutely no surprise, that Goodfellas brand of pressure campaign to get Republicans' votes went exactly as you'd expect. Jordan once again fell short on a third ballot to win the speakership. And just moments ago, NBC News has learned he has dropped out of the speaker's race. Private secret ballot vote held just a few minutes ago by House Republicans uh, and House Republicans alone in the basement of the Capitol. It was in that vote that a majority of the conference basically cast a vote of no confidence in Jordan as the speaker candidate, deciding that it was time for him to step down. 112 Republicans said, no, we don't want you to continue on as our speaker nominee while only 86 said, yes, we want to stick with you. And as a result, uh, Jim Jordan backed out. He said that he would no longer uh, put his name in as a potential speaker designee for the Republican conference. Normally, losing three rounds of voting would be a clear signal. They're just not that into you. 
But dense Jimmy Jordan decided he had to get everyone into the basement of the Capitol so he could be humiliated just one more time. And while I love this for Jim Bob, I hate this for our country. We need a Speaker of the House for a lot of reasons. One of them being President Joe Biden just asked Congress, specifically the House because they control the purse, for $105 billion in aid to Ukraine and Israel after his recent trip to the Middle East. From the White House to the war zone, President Biden this evening is leaving Washington for Israel. With the conflict raging, the risk great. It is highly unusual that the White House would publicly confirm a presidential trip. But Secretary of State Antony Blinken, after a seven-hour marathon meeting with Israel's prime minister overnight, made the announcement. On Wednesday, President Biden will visit Israel. And that visit is intended to try to cool things down, to try to uh, ratchet down the tensions somewhat, in, in, in some way, if he can. You know, it's funny, not funny. Someone calling herself a journalist with CNN, describing the president's visit as an endeavor to cool things down. Because after what Biden did and said during his little vacay with Bibi Netanyahu, he didn't do a fucking thing to ratchet down the tensions between Palestinians living under apartheid occupation and the Israeli government committing crimes against humanitarian law. The tone was set when the first thing Biden did coming off of Air Force One was to hug Netanyahu in front of the press. And then Biden went on to say all of this in front of a live press-filled audience about the recent Israel tension management issues that are going on in Gaza. I come to Israel with a single message. You're not alone. As long as the United States stands and we will stand forever, children slaughtered, babies slaughtered, and beheadings. We will not stand by and do nothing again. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. We're going to make sure we have what you have what you need to protect your people, to defend your nation. The vast majority of Palestinians are not Hamas. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses innocents, innocent families in Gaza as human shields. I was outraged and saddened by the enormous loss of life yesterday in the hospital in Gaza. Based on the information we've seen to date, it appears the result of an errant rocket fired by a terrorist group in Gaza. The United States unequivocally stands for the protection of civilian life during conflict. The people of Gaza need food, water, medicine, shelter. Today, I asked the Israeli cabinet, who I met with for some time this morning, to agree to the delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance to civilians in Gaza. Oh, there is so much to unpack with all of those sounds that were coming out of President Biden's mouth. First off, I would like to remind everyone listening that No Malarkey Joe said that he saw with his own beady little eyes pictures of Hamas beheading babies on October 11th. And then several hours later, the White House retracted Joey's claim because the lie detector determined that was a lie. Hamas is guilty of a lot of fucked up shit, but they didn't round up 40 babies and behead them like the Israeli government ambiguously claimed, which is where aviator Biden gets his intel and then tries to hide behind plausible deniability when Israel is caught in a lie. So when Biden says Israel didn't bomb the hospital in Gaza, 
because they showed him intelligence that proves the other guys did it, my bullshit meter starts to go off. And then he talked out of both sides of his mouth, affirming that not all Palestinians are Hamas, but Hamas uses human shields. So what can you do? Bomb them all. Biden says the Palestinians need aid that actually has been waiting for them at the Egyptian border with Gaza, but doesn't mention Israel is making it impossible for that aid to go safely to the Palestinians with 6,000 Israeli bombs going off in residential areas in just the first six days. And he sure as shit didn't mention that at the United Nations Security Council meeting this week, the U.S. was the only country to vote no on a ceasefire resolution so that humanitarian aid can get safely across the Egyptian border with Gaza to the Palestinians. So don't tell me about how broken up Joe was over 4,385 Palestinians who have been murdered in the Israeli bombing since October 7th. All of them killed, apparently, while standing directly in front of a member of Hamas, according to Israeli and U.S. intelligence. And let's not forget, an estimated 6,500 Palestinians are trapped under the buildings Israel bombed, so the potential death toll could be upwards of 10,000. Now, thankfully, American Jews and others from all walks of religion have gathered, as well as 300 of them willing to and have been arrested during a peaceful protest this week at the Capitol in D.C. to speak up for the Palestinian people, because apparently nobody else will. It takes American people doing what an American president will not. Americans like Stephanie Fox, the director of Jewish Voice for Peace. Roll tape. You know, this week we brought together 5,000 Jews in a massive demonstration demanding Joe Biden and other American lawmakers tell Israel to implement a ceasefire right now. The, there's no food, there's no electricity, there's no fuel. People are rationing food, drinking seawater. Um, people are trapped under the rubble. Hospitals are out of electricity and whole families are being wiped off of the population registry. Our government that is pouring billions of dollars into what we really understand as a genocidal war on Palestinians being done with our tax dollars as a Jewish community in our name. Poor Jewish value of B'Tselem Elohim, which means every single life is precious. You know, all human beings are made in the image of the divine and every single life is worth an entire, is an entire universe. The thing we must learn from the Holocaust is that the world let it happen. There is no such thing as being a bystander in moments of historic mm. injustice, mass atrocity. I agree with Stephanie, not in my name. I do not support my tax dollars going to supply weapons to any government who has been engaging in a 57-plus-year-old effort to colonize land by killing everyone who lives on it who isn't one of them and who is currently using the actions of 30,000 members of a terrorist organization to justify the systematic murder of more than 4,385 Palestinians since October 7th. 1,756 of them were children.
because we all know Palestinian children are always standing in front of a member of Hamas. And speaking of designating Palestinian children as a protected class, thanks to the actual anti-Semitic Zionism being spewed all over right-wing talk radio, a six-year-old boy has lost his life. An Illinois landlord is in court today, charged with a hate crime after allegedly stabbing a six-year-old boy and his mother. Sheriff's deputies say their landlord, 71-year-old Joseph Zuba, targeted his tenants inside their home simply because they were Muslim. Because of their Islamic faith and because of the Israel-Hamas war. Wife of the suspect who said that this is someone who's become obsessed with what has been going on in the Middle East, that he knew his tenants were Palestinian and that he wanted them out. The boy with 26 stab wounds, a military style knife with a seven inch blade later found in his abdomen. He paid the price for the atmosphere of hate and otherization and dehumanization that frankly I think we are seeing here in the United States as a result of the irresponsible leadership and lopsided one-sided statements and coverage that we're seeing in the media, elected officials all across. Let's be clear, this was directly connected to the dehumanizing of Palestinians that has been allowed over the last week by our media, by our elected officials who have lacked the moral compass and lacked the courage to call for something as simple as de-escalation. This right here is where the right-wing media is to blame, along with the cowards on the other side of the aisle. But for Christian Republicans, standing with Israel is standing with the battle-ready Jesus of Revelations. And don't forget, they can't be raptured until Jesus gets a hold of Jerusalem, uh, by the way, of Jews, of course, which is a major concern for Jesus freaks, according to Kirk Cameron and the original casting of the 700 Club. Although... I'm sure Pat Robertson's replacement is just as rapture-ready as his evil elf-looking predecessor, but I digress. The point is, Republicans of the Christian nationalist persuasion are looking to overlook the disturbing, ironic genocide carried out by the descendants of survivors of genocide simply because it's Israel, at least their government, doing the genociding. And if ever there was a facepalm moment, this, my friends, would be it. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. Follow the show on social media wherever you can find us. This Week Again is available for your listening pleasure wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening to this show. To do for now.